sexy nerds of the Nerd Imperium, welcome to this week's episode of the Currently Nerdy Podcast. We are your inner conclave of nerdum. My name is Diz, and I am your pop culture and sports nerd, Ali. I am only a classic nerd. <laughs> my voice sounds a little off. It's because no, my... Diz had a classic Diz moment. We can't tell you what it is yet. At some yeah. point, we will. Yeah. But he... He had a diss moment, and I've been in tears for five minutes now. Yeah. And then I try to do my sexy radio host voice to, try to cover to... up for it. Oh, yeah. my God. You guys have, you have no idea how much I suffer recording with this man. <laughs> Look, man. The stuff he says. I, this is some... only, you only hear 5% of it. Dude, okay. So, um, along those lines, so um, I, I texted somebody, and I was like, well, I guess you have to give them a uh, bottle milk or, or formula milk because breast milk isn't vegan. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. I swear to God, I did. <laughs> actually, in fairness, this is, I mean, I actually see where... <laughs> I shouldn't say this, but I actually see where your mind is going. <laughs> I know what you mean, but it's just... Uh... <laughs> Is. What did they say? <laughs> They're like, I'm not touching this one. <laughs> uh, it's in. <laughs> I think I think it's, it counts if it's from you. <laughs> uh, I'm dying. I'm ah, dying. man. I'm telling you, man. Sometimes, like, there's a line and I just don't see it because no, I'm too no. far past it. There's a yeah. You're a habitual line crosser. <laughs> I'm too and far not, past the line yeah, to see not, it. Okay, so like you know how there's like that age where you're edgy, right? Yeah. You're like a habitual habitual line crosser. You 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 say stuff because you know you're being edgy. That's mm-hmm. not Diz. No, he's not being edgy. Yeah, he's just completely clueless that there's a lie. <laughs> he says something, and then someone's got to work. They got to be air traffic controller <laughs> and point at the line and be like, "Diz, Dude. you've crossed. <laughs> Come back to the rest of us." The reality is that you're not being edgy. You're not trying to be that yeah. person who's offensive or who that you do. That's not you at all. You're 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 perfectly sensible person you just have no you have none of that that mental sign or sense that says hey this is a lie yeah, do man. not cross it like asking a vegan if breast milk is vegan that's a lie you don't cross that you don't even if you're curious i see where your mind is going you don't just ask that question of a vegan. I, mean, I wasn't really curious. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> you know, like... We're vegan. And now all, all two vegans that have been listening to us officially have, <laughs> have tuned us out. We're meatists. <laughs> no. As if yeah. as if we needed to be hated by the vegan community even more. Yeah. yeah I mean <laughs> shit, dude. So besides pic- habitual line crossing, are you uh, surviving down there in Southern California? Bro, man, it's a, uh, it's been a hectic week, dude. Fucking for people brush. who, yeah, who, for people who aren't following along, someday, some poor graduate student who's doing like the history of the 2020s is gonna come across our podcast, and mm-hmm. it's gonna be a digital archive for them because we're gonna we're pointing out the crazy shit's going on. There's a fucking f- another fire in California. Yeah, right dude, now. this one was closer to us. Super close. So, um. You're familiar with this area, so I'm gonna yeah. give you like a an idea where you know what a 241 is. 
mm-hmm. right there in Irvine, like 133, yeah. 241. So yeah. there was a brush fire right there, right? Yeah. Now, here's the problem. So Sunday it was raining. Like, it wasn't raining hard, but it rained a little bit, which, like, you don't really get a lot of here in Southern California because we're in a constant drought. Um, but for whatever reason, after it rains, it's always windy the next day. Monday was the windiest day of the year. If, like, there were some trees that fell over. Um, they were saying there was up to 84 mile per hour winds. And there was a small brush fire that happened, like, right there on, like, right by the mountains, the Silverado Mountains. Yeah. And there's, that, a, it's a, there's a sort of canyon in uh, Southern yeah. California, Silverado, yeah. Black Star. Yeah, that's where that... Uh, the problem is that people don't quite understand Orange County and Southern California when you describe it to them. Because people's experience... I come from, I come from the East Coast where, you know, the suburbs are kind of out, in the, out of the city. Uh-huh. Right, like if you're yeah. in the city, it's one thing. When you're out in the suburbs, the suburbs suburbs are kind of a bizarre place. Orange County is a suburb, but it's a bizarre suburb in the sense that like it's one giant city. Yeah, because what's the central hub? Right. Yeah, there's no hub. There's no. It's not. It's a bizarre. I don't know how to describe it. It's just a bunch of small cities smushed together. Yeah, it's not like towns and shit. Yeah, like you don't even out. know when Mission Viejo starts and when Lisa Viejo ends. Like you don't, you quite can't quite tell. No, yeah. And so as a result, like if there's a fire, it impacts everybody. Yeah. So that that little small brush fire turned into this giant fire, and like I remember, like I was driving to work, and like I posted the video on Twitter, like I was playing the Doors. This is the end. Yeah. And like I literally felt like I was driving through an apocalypse because like there was just smoke everywhere and like it was all orange and shit. Um, but dude, it got bad. Like within, I got into work at nine o'clock. By nine fifteen, they uh, issued evacuation orders for Irvine for part mo- a lot of parts of Irvine. And mm-hmm. Irvine's a big city here in Orange yeah. County. That yeah. I would say Irvine's our biggest city in. Would you, I think in Orange County, Anaheim, Anaheim is. Oh, oh in Southern Orange County. Yeah, Southern yeah, Orange okay, County. Okay, if, the, if we're talking about the areas we're thinking of, like Mission Viejo, Lisa, yeah, Irvine yeah. is definitely the largest. Yeah. 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 So they evacuated 70,000 residents. Yeah. You know? Um, it's, yeah, it's, it was not a minor thing. And, no. the, and the smoke from the freeway was like, it genuinely looked like you guys were in the mist. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, it ended up going towards uh, Blue Ridge, which is close to like Yorba Linda, Anaheim, and then they yeah. had to evacuate that area yeah. too. So like it hit two areas in yeah. Southern California because like it just kept spreading yeah. because of the wind. Like the, yeah. the Santa Ana winds are no joke. Yeah, that's the difference between Southern California and Northern California. Northern California has a lot of has more wilderness, right? Yeah, it's got more na- gorgeous natural areas, forests and whatnot. It's always the fucking vineyards. Right, on fire, the vineyards get hit, right? Like, that's Northern California for But what makes Southern California so problematic when it comes to this fire is, one, it's a desert, so everything is dry. Yeah. Like, when something, get, like, spark hits, everything goes. Two, it's so densely, weirdly densely packed, even though it's not a major city. It's supposed to be the suburbs. It's so weirdly densely packed. Mm-hmm. That, like if you're an east coast you just can't fathom it i've lived in the suburb now for a year on the east coast it's not remotely close to my experience in southern california and then you throw in this weird th- weather phenomenon that we call the santa ana winds and it's just 
it's a recipe for disaster. It's just not a great, it's not a good idea to live there and have to deal with this thing called for the forest fires or wildfires. It's in, yeah. it's it's out of control. I'm gonna send you a photo. This is my my friend's backyard. So he lives lived literally or still lives right across the street from where the fires were. So the first picture is what his view was before the fires. The second mm. picture is his view with the fires, and now the third picture is his view now. So like, Jesus look at all that. Christ. Look at all that vegetation that used to be there. Yeah. Right, like it was all green. This now. reminds me of the fire a couple, two years ago. Was it the one that came into from, uh, like almost took out Soka? You know where Soka University is, right? Yeah, right there it in was, Elisa. It was cresting that mountain. Yeah, it reminds me of that. Yeah, oh jeez. Yeah, yeah get... this is pretty bad. It's, it's pretty uh, bad. and mind you, this is all happening in a year of forest fires that that have completely wiped out California. Yeah, dude. I mean, the year I mean, started with a fire in Australia. Yeah, there was the Australian fires, and then the California fires were so disastrous that it, I mean, apocalyptic scenes that it looked like you were filming on fucking Mars. And then, oh, if, only all like, if only they raked their leaves in Southern oh California, God. there wouldn't and be this, a fire. And exactly, this is all happening within the last week of the election. Yeah. So we are, by this time next, next week... We will know. Oh <laughs> shit, dude! We have to prepare. I, I need to go buy a gun. Just, just a heads up that next time you hear us, we're either going to be semi-depressed or super depressed. Yeah, <laughs> depending on which one. The problem that people I think don't realize, and again, this is going to be an archive for for future. They think they seem to think that you can vote out fascism, yeah. right? That that somehow once. If Biden wins, and it does look like he's likely going to win, the popular vote is no contest. For it. It's very obvious that, that Biden is ahead nationally. It's the suppression that we're seeing at the swing states. We'll see if that, you know, if the Electoral College manifests. Still looks relatively good for, for Biden. But people don't realize that um, none of that makes a difference. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you see, Trump still has, they, they seem to assume that the culmination is next Tuesday. That that's the end. That whatever happens, that that'll happen. Biden wins, and then we can just... And that's a very white perspective, right? Yeah, right. And, you know, just to be, to be real, for every other minority community, they recognize that that's just the beginning. Mm-hmm. You still have Trump in office for another month and a half. Yeah. Plus, right? month and half in like a week or some shit like that. If you think that he can't wreak damage in that period of time, you haven't been paying attention. If you don't think that he's going to kick and scream on his way out, you haven't been paying attention. And if you don't think that this transition is going to get rocky, I think the worst is actually to come. January and February are probably going to be more dangerous in my opinion. Oh, dude! I feel the like next week be a is civil war brewing. Well, there is a there's a really interesting sociological study that was done just recently, and we'll share it. That looks at uh, a particular social marker, and has accurately pinpointed it as the precursor to civil war, and it's economic disparity. And they're able to sort of track it, and we're currently at civil war uh, levels. So I don't think that it's, there's going to turn into a civil war. 
I think it already is. We okay. just don't define it as a civil war. Because it isn't two armies fighting against one another. Yeah. But if you're paying attention from what's going on in Philadelphia right now, right? With the shooting of an un- unarmed, uh, well, he was an unarmed, but he was a, a mentally ill guy, a black guy, by the cops. That's now led to massive riots and uprisings. If you've been paying attention at all for the past year or two, we're already in the midst of a civil war. We're just not talking about it in those terms. What else do you call it when you have a group of militiamen planning to kidnap a governor? Yeah, two right? governors. Two governors, right? Yeah. What else do you call it when you have you know these bungalow boys shooting at cops, right? And you have cops shooting on unarmed citizens, right? I swear. I'm watching the film, the video that's coming out of Philadelphia. It's a police Bad. riot. The yeah. Police are just literally just a sanctioned gang. Attacking cars and what do you call that? Of course, I mean. So I think <laughs> whatever happens on Tuesday, you know, we're still going to be tense. We're just mm-hmm. going to be either, either there. At this point, we're just looking at the spectrum of tension. <laughs> they're going to be really, really tense, or we're going to be like, at least the voting's done, but we're yeah. still tense. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> uh. I don't know, man. It's been a. It's gonna be a shit show. It um, is gonna be a shit show. I started a shit show on Twitter okay. <laughs> recently, so um, I know you don't pay attention to the barbaric sport of uh, mixed martial arts. No. But uh, this Saturday, uh, a fighter by the name of Khabib Nurmagomedov fought. That's right. He just won his uh, t- like he's undefeated, right, or something. Yeah, yeah. Like he he won his twenty ninth fight on Saturday against the uh, a guy named Justin Gaethje. Um, so, and he retired because like his dad died from Corona and his dad was like his coach and like his Mm -hmm. mentor and like he promised his mom that he wouldn't fight again after his dad passed away because like his dad was always in his corner. Yeah. Um, So he retired like there on the spot, you know, if he said for his mom that he's going to retire. Um, but the day before I started the shit storm. So let me make it clear, right? I'm a, I'm a big fan of. Uh, mixed martial arts right i can respect competitors and how good they are habib is arguably one of the top five fighters of all time right the guy has maybe in 29 fights has lost maybe two or three rounds total right not fights two or three rounds right these are every fight is a is a three round or five round fight and he's lost maybe two or three rounds total in his career that's how dominant he is yeah right um, and even then, you can make the argument that he won those rounds. But um, in other is, words, the athleticism is not the question. Yeah, the athleticism is not the question. I have no like qualms with like how good of an athlete he is. But Habib has a checkered past when it comes to his affiliations, yeah. right? So for a lot of like Muslim fans, Habib is like this guy who's like unapologetically Muslim. You know, like. Before he fights, he's always praising God. After he fights, right. like the first thing he says is Alhamdulillah, like he couldn't do it without God. Like, yeah. you know, like he's a very devout Muslim. Yeah. But being from that region, right? Um, in what is it? They call it the, the Balkans. Is that what it is? The Balkans, yeah. The Balkans, yeah. Like Dagestan, Chechnya, Serbia, that area. Um, so Dagestan's really close to Chechnya. Now, mm-hmm. we've talked about 
Chechen dictator Ramazan Kadyrov before, right? Yeah. Kadyrov? Yeah, one of the best names yeah. of any villain ever. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, right, like you couldn't come up with, if it was a, a comic book writer, you couldn't yeah. come up with a better name. Ramazan Kadyrov. Kadyrov, yeah, I love yeah. it. I love um, it. So Kadyrov has literally, like, said that he wanted to do a purge of all gay people in Chechnya, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Like and they, and he has suppressed them. He has suppressed them. He's killed them. You yeah. know, like so, not a good guy. Yep. Khabib, also really close to to Putin. Yeah, and so Khabib is also very close to Putin and yeah. Ramzan Kadyrov, right? Yeah. yeah. And I called that out. And also Khabib, he he got pissed off because he went to go watch a play in Dagestan, and I guess the the play was too sexy for him because they they had like people kissing in it. So he got like he was pissed off about that, yeah. and like, he's trying to shut down all nightclubs in Dagestan. Yeah, like you know, look whatever you believe, you believe, but like you can't suppress other people's beliefs. Well, right? I mean, there is a, and we've talked about this before, right? It's a, this particular sport and a lot of sports, but this particular sport, I would say, the two sports that intersect most with with sort of. Trumpist style masculinity and uh, toxic politics, right? Uh-huh. Have to be wrestling, professional uh-huh. wrestling, right? Uh-huh. The spectator component of of wrestling, the narrative component of wrestling, the over the top, uh, you know, dramatization. That's literally just politics. Yeah, right. Everything that the, they do in the political arena, they learn from WWE. Mm-hmm. Right, one hundred percent. Definitely and WWE does it much better, and they're far more entertaining about it. Yeah, Let's be real. that's true. Yeah, right? and what the hell they're doing? Yeah. yeah, far time, ten times better than. But that's where the politicians have got it from. Yeah, and then the other sport is is UFC. Yeah, mixed martial arts. Yeah, the mixed martial arts, the construction of masculinity is a particularly toxic brand of it, right? Yeah, and it's one that is often misogynistic, pretty sexist, um, and and openly violent. Right? Yeah. But what, what's fascinating, so there's, there's an, I'm not surprised at all at the connections but, between Khabib and dictators and whatnot. But what does fascinate me is the sort of way in which he's been adopted by Muslims and, yeah. and Middle Easterners and Arabs and South Asians so, and so Afghans. He, here's the thing, right? Now, I, I made a, I think I made a very valid point. There's yeah, a really. fighter named Khabib, uh, sorry, named uh, Colby Covington, who's like, his whole character is like, he's this MAGA guy and blah, yeah. blah, blah. Like, he did that because he knew he was going to get fired because his yeah. fights are boring. So he created this MAGA character for himself and like, he became like this troll. Uh, it became a racist troll, but um, Great. Uh, he got his ass whooped by a black Muslim Nigerian named Kamaro Usman. And like Muslims are like, yeah, yeah, look at this, this Trump supporter getting his ass whooped by a black Muslim, blah 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 blah. And they were all like, you know, fuck Colby Covington. And I'm like, we're quick to like call out Colby Covington, but when right. it comes to Khabib, like we see him like as like this like prophetic type person, like he's like this idol that like. And yeah, to to Khabib's credit, right? Because Khabib's been getting like compared a lot to like Muhammad Ali, not by him, but by like, other people. And they oh, brought yeah. up the comparisons to him, and he said. This is number one bullshit. This is, is ridiculous. You know, uh, Muhammad Ali was Muslim black man in America when they hated black people. I am not this person. 
I, I cannot be him. He is a lot better than I was. It is unfair to say that Muhammad Ali and Khabib are the same. The only I love, similarity. I love that you. I love that you are. You always commit yourself to the accent. It doesn't to. matter who, who you're quoting. Only <laughs> similarity between Muhammad Ali and Khabib Nurmagomedov. We're both Muslim. But like, like I respect good, that. Yeah, that credit where credit due. That's that's a fair answer. Yeah. But I think the the problem here too is that that construction of of a sort of violent masculinity. Mm-hmm. Right, it's something that that Muslims are drawn to, and that's problematic. It is, and it's not unique to UFC. Look at who else is like. Um, uh, you see this with Erdogan, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah, another guy. the way that Muslims treat Erdogan. Erdogan's a dictator. Yeah, sorry, you're gonna. I'm, I, oh, Ali got canceled, right? But the reality is that's what he is. He is a dictator. Mm-hmm. He's a dictator who who has been increasingly violating his state's constitution, consolidating his power, and using it to suppress dissidents and anyone who disagrees with him. Well, I'm sorry, that's not something to be praised, just because every once in a while he happens to throw a punch at the U.S. or Israel or Great Britain or whatever, or France, right? It's like, okay, great, you pat yourself on the back. But there is this, I think it stems from uh, a reactionary sentiment. And this is a sympathy towards feeling like you're a victim or feeling disempowered and then wanting to find someone who speaks to that. And the people who speak to that aren't people who are modeling a sort of gentle masculinity, but who are modeling this sort of strong man persona. And we see this in in, uh, Erdogan, we see this in Khabib. These people are put forth. I think it's super problematic, and I think it speaks really to the way we imagine power. Yeah, yeah, they're humble, right? But their humility is in is a sort of religious humility. Yeah, it's not a compassionate humility. No, it's not a commitment to uh, his fellow human humans, and that's a problem. And it's interesting to point out too the the the, the way in which Muslims have adopted this because. There is a pretty sizable body of scholarship in Islam that forbids spectator uh, contact Paris? sports. Uh. It's a, yeah, there's a hadith that says you're not allowed to hit one another in the face. It's an act of stripping one of dignity. So yeah. boxing and MMA and mixed martial arts all very much against Islamic uh, sharia. Yeah. <laughs> very much against it. There's a, there's a whole... Which is fascinating. We have this body of, of Islamic literature in which that type of sport is considered against Islamic principles, right? Yeah. It's too violent. It crosses a line. And yet Muslims uphold that sort of violence as an act of power and defiance. Yeah. Khabib is Khabib because he's, he's able to kick people's asses, yeah. right? right? And also because he's a white passing dude. As we should point that out. Very right? white. He's Russian. Yeah, there's there's uh, plenty of black Muslim athletes that have been around for ages that don't quite get the same reputation. And no, certainly we celebrate them, right? Usually after the fact. Yeah. Right? You have your, your Muhammad Ali's, your Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's and whatnot. Yeah. But none of them take on a sort of international status. I call this the, the, the Khabib Ertugal complex you know Ertugal is right the uh, The, tv show tv show from turkey the ottoman yeah yeah. it's all the same it's a need for 
a romanticization of what I call noble violence. Mm. It is misogynistic, it's sexist, but it's just pious enough, just religious enough that you can make it, yeah, just, yeah, definitely it's homophobic, it's misogynistic, it's sexist, but it's just religious enough that you can make it into a virtue. Right? Yeah, it's, a, it's I don't know, man. I got, I got called so many, like, anti-gay, like, cuss words and stuff Jesus. on from the twitter reverse and then like i didn't i didn't see this thing. oh yeah dude fucking pakistan i like it was a bunch of like english pakistani tw- uh twitter users i kept well, well muslim muslim british muslim twitter is a uh, toxic as fuck yeah it's a different <sighs> level of toxic well, they, I, those those kids have been sharpening their, <laughs> yeah. their well i kept pissing their racism off. and their homophobia for yeah. ages I kept pissing them off because every time they would come at me, I'm like, listen, man, I'm not going to sleep with you. Like, stop messaging me, <laughs> you know? And I kept, like, trying to say that they were coming in my DMs asking to, like, hook up. <laughs> and they're getting mad as hell. Like, you have to, you have to mess with these guys because then they'll leave you alone. Like, the second, like, you try to, like, say that, that like, you know, they question their sexuality, they get, like, heated and they're like, I don't want to talk to this guy. There's, it springs from this very fragile understanding of masculinity. Yeah. That has to define itself through domination, through cruelty. I mean, the fact that, that you can't even point out that Khabib has a factual, like, just a factual statement that he has a relationship with dictators. Huh. I mean, that speaks to it, right? There is this, and we see this a lot with, with the way in which we, you know, we respond to things. The, the controversy over images of Muhammad is a prime example of this. Right? right, we've talked about it in the podcast before when we talk about Charlie Hebdo and whatnot. That that the controversy is a predominantly modern, toxic understanding of what it means to be powerful. Mm-hmm. So there's a recent controversy in France. Once more, there's the, the images of Muhammad with the Charlie Hebdo thing, and Mahran using his sort of power to to really both support the, these cartoons, but simultaneously browbeating. You know Lebanon. He's he's playing this kind of neo-colonial ruler of of the Muslims. Even yeah. goes going so far as to say that he's going to single-handedly reform Islam. You know, he's 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 playing this card, which is a a useful card to help with his domestic failures. Right? He's a he's a deeply unpopular political leader who's barely holding on. Who has a series of serious domestic issues that you know we've talked. We joked about how the French loved. They love to protest. They love mm-hmm. to riot, right, at the drop of a hat. Yeah. And he's dealing with that, and the way he's dealing with it is by using Islam as a scapegoat here, uh, talking about penalizing the Muslim community and whatnot. But the re- and, and there's fairness to call out Macron's bullshit and, and his sort of neo-colonial language. But it's fascinating that the Charlie Hebdo thing, and again, we've been critical of Charlie Hebdo, who, who's not really... It's not really a First Amendment thing. These, it's not even a satire thing. These are people in positions of power targeting a vulnerable immigrant community in France who are feeling alienated, right? Predominantly yeah. black Muslims. But what's fascinating is the response to the images of Muhammad, this idea that if you depict Muhammad, that it, res- it results in Muslims feeling violently angry. Yeah. That is a modern phenomenon because Muslims have been dealing with images of Muhammad, including they themselves making images of Muhammad for thousands, for a thousand years. Right. The idea that you can't draw Muhammad is a relatively new injunction. While Islam has always had an anti-idol component, there's never been any injunction that said you can't draw Muhammad. Yeah. 
at all. In fact, we have plenty of evidence that Muslims themselves engaged in it. Yeah. And we know that Muslims uh, dealt with, with criticisms from Europe. Dante Alighieri put Muhammad in hell in his poetry yeah. and inferno. Muhammad's there as a schismatic. Muslims aren't, didn't flip out. Yeah. If you think Muslims didn't read Dante Alighieri, of course they read Dante Alighieri. Yeah. Right? This, is a, this is a sort of, it stems from this position of feeling powerless and then socially alienated. And then that radicalized. But we're seeing at the sort of popular level. It's not just happening at the fringes. Muslims have taken on a sort of collective sense of powerlessness. Which fascinates me because you have responses to France. Well, at the same time, you got fucking China. You got basically committing what tantamounts to cultural genocide. genocide And and crimes against the humanity against the, the Uyghurs. And yet, you know, you don't have this. Erdogan's not out there giving speeches against China. No, he's giving speeches against France. Isn't wasn't it like a, there was like a it was a French teacher who got beheaded by a Chechenian kid, right? Yeah, there was a French teacher that got beheaded. Now there's a massive boycott that's going on. I mean, by the way, look at this and go, Jesus Christ! Tying it back to Ramzan Khadirov, he actually like supported the kid who. Did the beheading, by the way. Oh, of course he did, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. See, see how these all things are all linked together, right? Yeah. Yeah. These aren't just separate from one. They're all linked together, and it's all tied into this very toxic understanding of what it means to be powerful. I mean, seriously, the idea that your Muslimness is defined by your willingness to commit violence mm-hmm. against people, that your strength is defined by your ability to commit violence towards people, I mean, that, yeah, right, and that, that's, that's one, alarming. You know, like, we, we, I, I'm not we, you've talked about how, like, you know, like, you hate the term graveyard of empires for Afghanistan. Man, I hate that. I right? hate that. Because it implies that, like, we're a violent people, right? Yep. yep. And it's the same thing, man. It's, it's, I don't understand this idea of, like, yeah, we're Muslim, we could fuck everyone up. Like, that's not a good thing to say. No, or, know? like, the, the graveyard empires are fantastic ones, like, there's a million and one things that people can be proud about. Yeah. You could talk about Rumi. You can talk about you could Al Biruni. You can talk about the fact that you know the heart of Kowali music. You could so much that for for centuries it was the heart of of enlightened in Islam was in uh, what was modern what would be considered Balch. modern day of Afghanistan. Yeah, Balakh. All of that could be a point of pride, and yet the thing that Afghans take pride in is their ability to be. Uh, conquered, occupied, but not held by other empires. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> you know, we, it's like that's not exactly the thing to be proud about. Yeah. I mean, the consequences of being are being borne out by Afghans every single day today, right? It's like yeah. this is this is, and it's not unique to Muslims. And it's not unique to Afghans. You see it with this white grievance syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. The way in which uh, white people have responded to the belief that they're powerless, even though they're not structurally, but the belief that they're powerless, right? Yeah, the, yeah. Tr- the rise of Trumpism. These things are intimately tied to one another. So I think your comparison isn't a, a far-fetched one. I think people need to ask themselves, if we praise the Khabibs of the world, if we, play, if we praise the Ertogols of the world, if we fall into this romanticized notion of violence, mm-hmm. right? Romanticized violence, then are we that different? No, from we're, Trumpers, we're really not that. Okay, that too. And then we also 
actually don't mind racism too much, no. to be honest with you. No, no, no. Right? Because, you know, hey, white people being racist, bad. Ooh, Karen said the N-word or yeah, Karen yeah. called, you know, someone a towel head. Bad. Yeah. yeah, we know that's bad. But when you have fucking neoliberal Zionist Sasha Baron Cohen parading around as some fake Middle Eastern person from Kazakhstan, which is a Central Asian country, yeah, um, yeah. it's considered hilarious and we love it, right? Brown yeah. people love Borat. Don't get me wrong. I used to fucking love Borat too as a kid. I thought that shit was hilarious. Yeah. I didn't know any better, right? Like, yeah. I was... When, when they had the whole Ali G show on HBO, like I literally got HBO for our house when I was a teenager because I wanted to watch the Ali G show and I wanted to watch Borat. Yeah. And like I would download old like uh, UK episodes of the Ali G show so I could watch like old Borat look, stuff. Look, th- there's no denying that there are some elements of Ali G that were funny back in the day. Right? Yeah. They can certainly be, I think the interviews have always been kind of, Allergy's interviews yeah. have been hilarious because he's been able to get the people like, how do you not figure it out by this point in time? Yeah. The problem, however, with Ali G's, and I've never been offended by Ali G, Borat, or what was this, the other one? Uh, uh, Bruno. Bruno. I've never been offended by any of it, right? But I've never also find it, I found it as funny as other people. I remember watching the first Borat movie, and I, I walked away feeling a little queasy, right? It's just one of those, like, mm, I'm not sure how I feel about this moment. Never felt offended by it, but you've got to point out that all of the characters are based off of caricatures and stereotypes of minorities. Dude, right? Yeah. You can do satire without making vulnerable people the butt of the joke. And you go, okay, well, he's pointing out the stupidity of Americans or, her, or you know, the fact that Rudy Giuliani was about to hook up with a 15-year-old or whatever. Yeah. You, could, you could talk about all that, but you can do that without simultaneously falling into racist stereotypes. Ali G's character is based off of, um, you know, you know, black stereotypes, British black stereotypes. The language that he uses, the vernacular that he uses, the mannerisms that he uses are very deliberately affecting, you know, a racial stereotype. Bruno is affecting a a, a, a sexual identity stereotype, right? And Ali and uh, Bora is affecting an immigrant stereotype. And that is the reality of it, is that, yeah, okay, sure, he skewers Trumpists and he skewers powerful people, but he does it by making Borat the butt of the joke as well. Right. Right. There's a, this assumption is given that Borat and is anti-Semitic, yeah. is engaged in, in human trafficking, yes. casual sexual violence. Pedophilia. Right? Pedophilia. All of that is just kind of taken for granted. You go, oh, well, he's pointing out that People assume that about Borat are, are racist. Yes, but you created the character. Yeah. And it's like, dude, how many times have like people used that Borat voice to yeah. now like make fun of Middle Eastern people? First yeah. off, Kazakhstan is not a Middle Eastern country. Central Asian, yeah. It's Central Asian. It's closer to like uh, Russia and like, Uz- like Uzbek culture than it is like Saudi or Gulf Arab or, you know, like even Afghan or Iranian culture, right? Like if you see people from Kazakhstan, like, yeah, some of them kind of look like Afghans, but that's because Afghans are a weird hybrid of everything else, but they're not, they don't look like your stereotypical, what you would think someone from the Middle East looks like, right? 
That's yeah. it's just that's that's not their culture. I also don't think that Kazakhstan's not a Muslim country, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like it's well, Kazakhstan has is predominantly Muslim. It is. Yeah. But no. No, it's, it's not. It's not a Muslim country in the sense that it's like it's not Islamic or or anything along those lines. Okay. But um, yeah, dude. Like I was watching the second one, right? Uh, yeah. I was watching it with my fiance, and like it just wasn't funny to me, right? Like. I realize now that I've gotten older, like the stuff that I was laughing at was I was laughing at like the white people that were like doing stupid things, right? right. Like the Americans that were being dumb, I thought was funny, but Borat himself, I was just like, this isn't funny. Like it just, I didn't, I didn't find it humorous. And then I kept thinking back to like, so I don't know if you saw this, but like seven, eight years ago, there was like an international shooting event, right? Like it was like a, where they like shoot guns at like targets and stuff. It was like a, a big deal for if, if you were trained as a shooter, it was a big deal. Some girl from Kazakhstan won the tournament, right? It was a huge tournament. And instead of playing the actual Kazakh national anthem, these idiots accidentally played the, the fake Borat Kazakh oh, national God. anthem. Kazakhstan, number one exporter of potassium. Like, and she has to sit there while like, there's this song that's literally making fun of her country playing. Jesus. You know, as it's supposed to be like the proud, one of the most proud days of her life. Like, you Jesus know, like years Christ. of training and shit. Like it kept making me think of that. And it kept making me think of like Kazakh people. I'm like, damn dude. Like if, when I hear Kazakhstan, the first thing that I think of is Borat. Ima- like, yeah. Imagine an entire country, an entire people, an entire culture caricatured it by by borat like that's embarrassing yeah and sure it speaks to our ignorance too but it's it is horrific right and and this is this is what fascinates me right and you're right the 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 way in which racism has been accepted firstly muslims are willing to talk about i think most a lot of muslim americans and are willing to talk about, for example, Karen saying the N-word, but they're not willing to talk about Habib saying the N-word, right? Not yeah. Habib, but Habib, right? Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, I mean, the N-word runs rampant in a lot of Muslim communities, as it does in a lot of immigrant in communities. In our own community. Yeah. Let, the Latino community, right? So yeah. there's a, there, uh, no one's willing to acknowledge that. That we're willing to point out ra- the racism of other people, but we're not willing to hold ourselves as accountable for the way that we are complicit in racism. Frequently, right? And the Bora is just Bora is just one example of that, mm-hmm. right? It's one example of us going, oh, cool, it's not that bad, it's not that serious. Like, okay, all right, so maybe Bora isn't that bad, isn't that serious. But then it leads to the question of how are we complicit and are we willing to hold our, our communities accountable? How many times do you see, um, you know, uh, immigrant communities or Muslim communities that put on panels about race, but then who's not on there? A single black, black person, yeah. right? It's like, okay. That maybe, just maybe, we have a problem here. Maybe mm-hmm. we have a problem. I do think, I do think that we're we're in this bizarre moment where our values have gotten warped, mm-hmm. and that even those of us that are in the sort of progressive circles, and those of us who are see ourselves as anti-racist or see ourselves as as whatever, right, leftists or whatnot that we fall into the same romanticization of certain values. And Habib is an example of that. The way that Borat, I mean, we can skewer American ignorance without making a caricature of an entire country, right? These are prime examples of 
something has gone wrong in the public discussion. Something has gotten lost. You're out there seeing sheikhs patting themselves on the back over Khabib. It's like, bro, you didn't win anything. You didn't. Why are you taking pride? He makes us Muslims proud. What? What? Of all the, like, seriously? (laughs) Of all the things to be proud about out there, that's what makes you proud? What the fuck is wrong with you? I want to shake people sometimes, right? It drives me nuts. Or, or people go talking about, you know, American imperialism, American ignorance, and vis-a-vis Borat, and you just want to go, you do realize how horrifically racist that is. Right. Like, you can talk about that stuff without valorizing Borat to do it. There is something has gotten wrong in our discourse, and I don't know how to fix it is the problem. Yeah, I think I, we're too... I don't know what the solution is. We're too far gone, bro. Like, we're, we're fucked as a, like, as a nation. As a people. I, mean, I don't know how to tell a pe- how to convince a people that maybe you could. I mean, I'm not saying don't watch Khabib. I'm not saying don't enjoy it. I mean, he's retired now, but right? Like, yeah, I watch the fight. Like, yeah, but there's a, a part where you go. At some point, you've got to be able to separate the entertainment from the personal identity component of it. Yeah. If you start to identify with Khabib, if Khabib becomes the best that you are uh, as a as a community, you offer. That Habib becomes the face, that Habib becomes a source of pride, then okay, we've lost the plot. Yeah, that's an issue. You know, like yeah. at that point, like what what is the what are we trying to attain? Right? Like yeah. is the Habib what we're trying like because one of the things that I got back from like somebody who didn't attack me was, you know, you know, bringing it back to the Habib thing was, you know, well Habib is the a role model for people who are unapologetically Muslim. They have someone can, that they can... You can be unapologetically Muslim without being a fucking fighter. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? This is the thing. And the other thing is, like, who, who has ever felt that you needed to be... Like, I, I've never met a Muslim who is apologetically Muslim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to point that out, right? Like, I've never met a Muslim who, who is apolog... Uh, Muslim, I'm sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> Have you? No. Muslims are the most, of, of all the religious communities, evangelical Christians and Muslims are the most unapologetic about their religion. Every Catholic you meet is a regretful Catholic. Right? <laughs> right? Everywhere. How many times have you heard someone say, I'm a recovering Catholic? <laughs> Jews are the most self-deprecating religion, right? It's like, the only <laughs> people who are unapologetic are evangelical Christians. They, are, they will tell you they're evangelical within two seconds of meeting them. Yeah. And Muslims. Within three seconds of meeting a Muslim, you know that they don't eat pork. <laughs> yeah. There's no pork for me, please. It's I'm not sorry, I can't hang out. I'm going to mosque on Friday. So, <laughs> you know, like, Muslims are the most unapologetic people religiously. And evangelical Christians, and yet somehow we need we need heroes that are unapologetically Muslim. Shut the fuck up, right? Come on, come on. <laughs> it's one of those things where you just like, no, I don't think so. But but <laughs> there is a there is a theory in in social studies and sociology in particular, and cultural studies that talks about that you can tell a lot about a society about who they consider a celebrity, mm-hmm. right? And there's this really great way in which celebrities have been tracked over the past century or so that take American culture, right? The earliest celebrities in the 20th century were who? Do you know who they were? No. The Albert Einsteins, right? Albert Einstein was a celebrity. 
in the early 20th century. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You like totally a massive before. fucking celebrity, yeah. right? Literally all over the newspapers, everything he did. Imagine the way gossip columnists handled Kim Kardashian. Mm-hmm. Now think Albert Einstein. Like everyone knew his private life. The poet laureate, et cetera. All of these were major celebrities. That it wasn't that the movie star and the actor was not a celebrity until the emergence of television, of technology, right? Even movie stars weren't as huge until movies became more accessible. Uh, like the Charlie Chaplin's of the world. Exactly. And now imagine that shift, right, from uh, intellectual, poet, and artist, etc. These are the celebrities of the world, to entertainers, right? That tells you a little bit about society and what happens to it. You need to look at the type of entertainment. Early entertainment is focused on what? Skill, mm-hmm. right? Really good acting skill, really good a singing talent, etc. Now, go to the 2000s, early 2000s. Space now you're looking to look a completely different type of celebrity, right? These are the rise of what we call mediocre celebrities, or celebrities that don't fundamentally have any real skills, but who are still celebrities, who are celebrities for the sake of being celebrities, the Paris Hiltons of the world, the Kim Kardashians of the world, etc., right? Yeah. People just born into rich families who People look People at- born into rich families, you know, the, the My Sweet Sixteen or the lifestyles of the rich and famous, right? Suddenly you're looking, that tells you something about society because what society considers celebrity is the thing that it values most. Money, 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 And it's money, the thing it money. aspires to most. Mm-hmm. A society that moves from the Albert Einsteins of the world to the Kim Kardashians is a, is a society that no longer values intelligence, yeah. no longer values skills, but values superficiality, aspires to wealth. Yep. And that, that's, that's telling something right now. That's a very superficial analysis. Capitalism but, is a disease. But yeah, it is. But the, it is a really good way of understanding. Now think of the same thing with Khabib. If our celebrities in the global Muslim community are people like Khabib. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time figuring out which writer in the contemporary Muslim world has the same status as Khabib. No, not the Mehdi Hassans or the, the Khalid Beydouns. Well, let's, I mean, let's be real. You have a couple academics, maybe, but any real academics that are vaunted as celebrities in the same way Khabib is? No, none. Any writers, novelists? No, not at all. No, poets? Nope. Nope. I mean, this tells us something, right? Well, if the, and again, none of this is saying Khabib is not talented. Without a doubt, he's talented. 100%. Right? Yeah. The athleticism is not in doubt here. But if you have 1.7 billion Muslims Mm-hmm. And of the 1.7 billion Muslims, they are largely valorizing the Habibs of the world. We might be in trouble. We're screwed, my friend. We are screwed. <laughs> Man, that's, uh, this was an interesting freewheeling conversation. Yeah. We, went, we covered France, Habib, Borat. Borat. This was our, uh, we'll call it our international tour. <laughs> right. We went from Kazakhstan to... Russia to France. Russia to France. Well, he's not from Russia. Where is he from? Dagestan. Dagestan. He's from Dagestan, is he? Dagestan's a part of Russia, my friend. I know he's as a part of Russia, but I didn't know he was like... Yeah, he's Dagestani. Well, interesting. I thought he was more like Chechen? Serbian or... No, no. Okay, Chechen. Okay. He's, he's from Dagestan. He's genuine, genuinely Dagestan. Okay. Yeah, Dagestani. Okay, very interesting. Russia, Kazakhstan, and France. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's what we'll call the subtitle of this podcast. <laughs> right. All right, Diz, why don't you dig us out? Yeah, you can catch us on Facebook, facebook.com slash currently nerdy, Twitter at currently nerdy, Instagram at currently nerdy, uh, Tumblr, currently nerdy.tumblr.com. Uh, we're on Stitcher, Google Play, and the iTunes podcast app. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. It's just currently nerdy. Um, if you're already subscribed and you've already given us a rating and a review, you know what you need to do? You need to get one of your friends to subscribe to us and make them listen to us. Be like, hey, check this out. These guys said some really cool stuff about Khabib Nurmagomedov and the bull rat. And, you know, maybe... What's his last name? Nurmagomedov. Hmm. His name is... His full name is Khabib Abdelmanaf Nurmagomedov. Jesus. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we talked... I did a cool Russian accent. I did a nice bull rat. And then uh, I can't do French. So French is a little bit harder for me to do. I can do French Canadian a little every bit. Time, every time someone does a French accent, it always comes off as stereotypical. Yes, this is French Canadian instead of actual French because France is a little bit harder. You have to have your nose up in the air. I am not one of those people. Um, but yeah, have them listen to us. You could also catch us uh, on our own separate stuff. Ali, how can they catch you? You can catch me on Twitter and Instagram at A-A-O-L-O-M-I. Just put out a spooky thread for those of that are interested. Check it out, as well as on our sister podcast, Head on History. Diz. You can catch me everywhere at Dizbulla, D-I-Z-B-U-L-L-A-H. And listen, guys, I know we didn't do Currently Nerdy Sports this year. There's a pandemic. I can't sit there in close quarters with <laughs> someone else who's going to work as I'm going to work every day um, with masks off using one mic like sitting through two feet apart from each other it just doesn't make sense we didn't have like he didn't have a mic for us to record virtually like ali and i do um so it'll come back next year i promise it'll be back and better than ever but there was a pandemic so we're sorry we'll bring it back next season we gotta adjust yeah for everyone here at currently nerdy thank you for tuning in and remember stay smart you 60 nerds all hail the currently nerdy empire (laughs) 